0: mm <laughs> Hey there and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios and today my guest is Siggy Marmerstein. She's a telehealth consultant and the founder of Baby Live Advice. Baby Live Advice is a social enterprise that offers families a virtual support team throughout their pregnancy to parenthood journey and her work helps to improve outcomes for both moms and babies around the country. I learned lots in this conversation and think you will too so let's take a listen. Thank you for joining me today. I am really looking forward to getting to know you better and more about what it is that you do in healthcare and health IT. Would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself and also your place in the healthcare ecosystem? Sure. So I'm Siggy Marmenstein. I'm the CEO and founder
1: of Baby Live Advice. I'm a nurse practitioner, 27 years in the clinical practice, in various clinical practices. I actually started off as a nurse in an NICU in 1997, and then from there went back to my nurse practitioner program, became a nurse practitioner, and then worked in various clinical practices since then. And also in academia, I was the dean of a school of nursing for a while and been a preceptor for clinical practices for nurse practitioner over the last 12 years. And I started a company called Baby Live Advice in 2018, and we used a nursing model and telehealth to support uh, mothers and babies from preconception to early childhood.
0: So, does that mean that you should be on people who people's radar if they're looking to have a baby or if they already already have one? Like, so does that mean you're available in the app store or like how do people get involved with your organization?
1: Anyways, the best way is to go to BabyLoveAdvice.com, and you can start your journey from there. We do support preconceptions. I mean, I um, want to get pregnant. I am pregnant. I want to know about contraception. I want to know about, you know, fertility. I want to adopt a baby. All those questions that people have all the way throughout the pregnancy. Support the pregnancy experience, making sure that moms have good and healthy pregnancy experiences there's a lot of questions around what I can eat or what vitamins do I take or, you know, what exercise I can do or, you know, all those other things. And then postpartumly, we care for mom and baby up to 18 months of age. So lactation support, sleep support, nutritional support. We have diabetic educators, doulas, midwives, lactation consultants and others all on our team. And we speak in 250 languages. So, no problem with language barriers here.
0: So, how big is your team? Like, is that, do you just have people sitting on call to answer questions in any language, regardless of time of day? Or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. We currently have
1: 55 providers and we are available from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, we're not 24 7. We buy appointment only, so nobody's sitting around. Uh, we have a telehealth program that alerts our nurses when a patient made an appointment. We also have just to let you know classes, all of the per- perinatal classes, both in English and in Spanish, and we have support groups, which is by the way, throughout COVID became the largest item that we are part of the ecosystem of a support groups so that do a lot of through PSI that do wonderful work with. Maternity loss, depression and anxiety in pregnancy and postpartum and other uh, diabetic education, diabetic support for moms who are diabetic or hypertensive, Black Mama Matters and others. So wonderful capacities that are exist. And I really do think that women should know more that this this is there for them. They're not alone and we can help them have a healthy uh, pregnancy and babyhood. So
0: can you speak to that a little bit in more depth? Because what is the importance of having a group of people or someone that you can trust and talk to about, you know, your pregnancy issues, whether it, regardless of what they are? Oh my God, right. So it used
1: to be that we as humans were living in communities and we were very close knit to our families, extended and close families, and as well as our communities in general. We did not have the internet, we weren't isolated, we weren't doing Zooms. <laughs> We were out in communities, able to talk to people and learn from people about, you know, what to do and how to behave. And we weren't really trusting the physicians or our care providers to do everything for us. A lot of the knowledge in parenting and pregnancy came from generation to generation through storytelling and other ways like that. In a modern world, women are more isolated. They may be even working. They may be having to leave their babies behind. They may even be uh, 40% of our moms are single mothers. They don't necessarily have the partners to grow up the baby with or to be pregnant with. We know that the far away from the families, the far away from the communities. So we create that online community for them where the people that are talking to them are actually knowledgeable and, exper- and have expertise to not just support them mentally and physically, but also to really give them the right knowledge. Because what's happening right now, you go online and you get like 12,000 answers to the same one thing you wanted to know. But, you know, you get confused and you're overwhelmed by data. So we are able to siphon through all of that, talk about it,
0: explain it better, and bring it down to the human level. And then for some of the classes, do you create community? Like, would would a woman be basically in a class with the same group of people again and again or would it be a different set of people nope. each time? Don't
1: go through the classes together. They'll get to know each other. It is on Zoom, but there's it's a live interaction. It's not, you know, pre-recorded or anything like that. There is plenty of time at the end of the class to talk to each other, to ask each other questions, to support. If people feel like they want to become friends with each other, they can chat with each other and share phone numbers. We had a lot of mommy groups come up from our classes, which is really cute. You know, we have here in California, Pasadena, we have a group that has got together in the park after they had their babies. So it's really wonderful to see their relationship. And what we're hearing from parents is that they feel that they're not alone, that they feel that what they're going through or how how it is, you know, having a baby through COVID, it's not an isolated experience. It's something that they're doing together.
0: Well, and I would imagine that the, the COVID babies in particular have a unique set of circumstances. So, is the, has the advice changed through COVID? Oh my God, really changed, right?
1: I mean, in the beginning of COVID, we didn't even know what to say. <laughs> we were like, okay, we don't know anything just like you don't. So, don't ask us because we don't know. Obviously, we immediately had to get ourselves quickly educated with all the new trends and things that are happening and really work with our provider groups and our obstetrician physicians and others to understand what they are telling patients. So we're making sure that we're all in unison. But yeah, it's hard to have a baby through COVID. It's been a terrible experience for people, very isolated and extremely scary. We had, unfortunately, more than a few moms who ended up in ICUs, ventilated, having their babies born in C-sections. We have two moms that actually perished in COVID and their babies are being raised by the partners. So COVID has definitely changed the game of
0: parenthood and pregnancy and has been making things very difficult. Well, and I would also imagine that postpartum everything is different, kind of speaking. I mean, that's already a time where moms might feel a little bit isolated, but adding COVID on top of that has got to be exponential. Yes. And many of the moms that
1: we talked to left their jobs, right? So there's another thing that, you know, we know that actually 48% of the women workforce has just exited the workforce. Actually, the largest one of those is in nursing. We have one of the worst nursing shortage we had in the country in probably the last decade. People are less likely now to work those 12-hour shifts in the hospital, leaving the kids and babies behind because they have much more responsibility. So COVID has really also been a big financial strain and emotional strain. And so being pregnant or having a baby for all of that is just like another layer of wow, right? Being able to siphon through that with somebody that you trust, or through a group, or through a support group, has been extremely valuable for sure.
0: And I would imagine even the vaccination conversation is different for people too, just as because when concerning vaccinations like and there was the question at first, if I'm pregnant, should I get vaccinated? Right. Or, and also, like, you know, children up to a certain age aren't qualified to get the, the vaccine. And so right. I imagine there's a little bit of safety issues for a lot of new parents, because even though they may feel safer opening up and getting out into the world, their kids at home are still potentially at risk.
1: Yes, and that's by the way. We stay a little bit away from the vaccine, you know, controversy. When people ask us, "Should I get vaccinated?" we say, "You should get educated about the vaccine. Learn what you need to know. Read what you need to read." We'll tell them the information, but we will not say yes or no. We will say, "Let's educate you." You know, the way to really change health behaviors in humans is to give them the information they need to know. In order to make their own decisions, we all need to just make our own decision. We should never be coerced or pushed or intimidated into a decision-making, right? So we really seen a lot of the controversy in the anti-vax versus yes-vax. Pregnancy is definitely brought that to a light. What we do is inform people,
0: but we ultimately give the decision to them. That seems about the best thing that you could do. And at least helping people get the information that if they have fears or concerns that they can at least get their questions addressed and answered. Right. 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 So on your website, now babies come with instructions. Can you tell (laughs) me a little bit more about that?
1: So, you know, we have instructions and pamphlets and uh, books for everything, right? We have YouTube literally for anything. And by the way, there are a lot of great YouTube videos about how to watch your baby, for example. But then... That's the only one thing that doesn't come with instructions is pregnancy and parenthood. How do you do this, right? So back in the day when I was had my kids, which was 22 years ago, we had What to Expect When You Expect It. And literally, that was the only book. My mother-in-law speaks about Dr. Spoke, which was the only book when she was raising her children. <laughs> But there are, in fact, it's not true that there isn't any information about this, but the information is too wide and far between and people cannot siphon through it. So we're now trying to do this. Let's give you the instruction that you need to make sure that your pregnancy is healthy, that your parenting is the right kind of parenting. You know, unfortunately, abuse, neglect and mental health issues are on the rise. This is an opportunity to also curve that a little bit by giving people the right information at the right time. So
0: that's what Baby Love Advice does. That's great. So, and are there also, genuine question, do you have interventions? Because I'm sure you have so much interaction with new moms that if you're starting to see any, abuse or neglect or mental health issues that you can support them in some form or fashion? Yes. So one thing about Baby
1: Love Advice, we're not a medical practice. So we don't do anything in medical care. We do not prescribe medication. We do not diagnose or treat anything. We are a support advice and monitoring site. We support the providers who care for those moms. So yes, if we do identify a mom who is in distress or need... We will escalate her care to her physician and make sure that she is followed and cared for. A lot of the things that they need, we may be able to provide internally within the Baby live advice team. But if we can't, we definitely will find resources and care coordinate for mom and make sure that she's in the right system. I can tell you that we had multiple moms that we were able to support to go into even in-house care from, for mental health disorders to make sure that they are well supported while they are going through postpartum depression. Those moms in the past, if they didn't have this kind of services, could you know be suicidal, homicidal. And so this is an important issue. And uh, one out of seven women in the United States are suffering from postpartum depression. This is a massive amount of women This is not a far and few between. This is a real and palpable problem. And so
0: definitely having this kind of resource helps. Well, then I guess to that point, what do you think are some of the most important resources that a new, I mean, your your whole world is dedicated to this. So I'm sure that there is a spectrum of resources. But if you had to pick like top three of things that are just super imperative that new moms should know about, what are those tools or resources? So
1: definitely the suicide call line, uh, depression call line, PSI, postpartum support, international, their website, their support groups, their care providers are just incredible. We are here for lactation. We are here for support. Definitely, you know, that's another place to go. And then I think that the most important thing that the tools that mom says to know is to reach out. Don't ever think that your babies are going to be taken away from you. That is not going to happen that you're going to be looked at as a bad mom. Nobody's going to do that. But reaching out and getting the support you need early on is extremely important. And it's not just postpartum, but it's also throughout the pregnancy. People think that postpartum depression is a postpartum issue. It is not. We have a lot of moms who are showing depression and anxiety very early on in the pregnancies. And obviously with COVID, that has been extenuated. We want people to know that they have support. There are places to go. There are support for you in your communities, uh, in your state. Seek out those call lines and get the help that you need. That will change everything.
0: Well, I love that because asking for help is actually a strength, right? Not necessarily a weakness and like helping calm people down that like you're not at risk for just asking for help. It's really the right action to take. Yeah, and you know
1: that's called self advocacy, and that's something that in generally women were not very good at. We're very good about caring for everybody else. We will take our husbands to get their teeth washed, and we will get them um, the colonoscopies they need. But we won't take care of ourselves, and we won't speak up. And in some communities, you know, we've seen this even worse. Right when people in many years have been very oppressed or depressed to the point that they don't believe that they can speak up for themselves and ask for what they need and demand the care that they deserve to get and we are that's where we come in we really do help mom to find their voices by educating
0: them we empower
1: them to speak up
0: one thing that i i know you're more qualified to speak to it than I am, certainly. But like, what are some of the biggest issues when it comes to maternal mortality and infant mortality in the U.S.? Like, it's, it's so terrible, isn't it? It's
1: staggering, right? It's staggering. $120 billion we spend in the U.S. on maternity and infant care. Isn't that like just $120 billion? And we are the worst country in the industrial world by which to have a child. People don't understand it. Every 10 minutes, A baby or a mom get hurt in pregnancy or postpartum in the United States. We have 45,000 NICU admissions in the last month alone in the United States. We are literally the worst. What are the issues? Well, it has to do a lot with care access. We have maternity deserts all over the United States where there is no OBGYN or maternity ward to be found in miles and miles away. The way the payment models in maternity with uh, the Medicaid expansion is becoming a real problem and creating a problem with that institutional racism, you know, where black moms and Hispanic moms may not get the kind of care and the level of care that they deserved, maybe because of where they are in access in their communities, but also because the people who are caring for them are not are biased against them and are not supporting them the way they need to be supported. Chronic disease issues like hypertension and diabetes that are not well managed before, after or in pregnancy are causing moms, unfortunately, to have terrible outcomes. And then just in in, in general, the health system is not well equipped to care for moms and babies. We're not well funded for that. We are not well cared for that. And we fail in them every single hour of the day. I mean, the fact that five or six women and babies will die today while we are speaking here alone is should be something that everybody should scream from the rooftops about. But we just
0: don't hear much about it. And that's not even to talk about like paid time, like paid leave to take care of a child once it's oh, already don't forget born. forget that. <laughs> So
1: if you are in Switzerland, you get eight months in and other countries in European Union and others, it can be six to eight months of maternity leave that are paid. The access to midwifery to, and to doulas have shown to be one of the biggest predictors of good pregnancy outcomes. Other countries are doing wonderful at that. We deliver our babies in hospitals and on their backs with epidurals and C-sections, and we create the problem that we are seeing. So. There is so much better that we can do. There is so much that we can do if we cared enough to do it. One of the things I tell people all the time, when the Titanic was sinking, they say, save the women and the children. When there's a fire, save women and children. But there is a fire and there is an emergency. And we're not saving women and children first. We are saving everybody else but women and and children first,
0: which is why we are where we are right now. Yeah, it's pretty tragic. I did have an opportunity, and I brought this up in a conversation recently, but like I was speaking with a woman at the Hymns event. It was a conference back in August, and she was telling me that about a hospital in the Chicago area that is hiring doulas and midwives as part of the staff. Mm-hmm. And that it is starting to make a big difference. As yes. far in their results, but it sounded like they were like the only ones in the country doing it. So I'm trying to like spread the word. I'm like, hey, hospital systems, <laughs> like it actually, this attention on the moms that is dedicated is something that seems really important. And kind of like, there's this weird blind spot that's going on. In yeah, it. I don't know why we're piloting things. Like <laughs>
1: this should be a care model, you know. This shouldn't be a pilot. You know what I'm saying? Like we are we getting grants to pilot different things in maternity. This should not be a pilot. This should be a care model, right? We should have a care model that allows nurse practitioners, midwives, lactation consultants, doulas to be paid for their services in support of mothers and their babies. It shouldn't be a pilot. We should try this out. (laughs) It's been done all over the world for the last 150 years. We need to stop piloting things and we need to start paying for things in a correct way, in the right place, at the right time to support this kind of mayhem that is happening in this country. And if you know, giving life a better beginning, right? This is really what what this is about. If you don't start life in the right way, if and it starts in the womb, then you know, societal, you know, society will always judge us for what it is that we're not doing because we're gonna have kids who are not. Well raised, we're gonna have problems with, you know, kids in foster care and kids who are born out of weblock and lack of education and lack of lactation and lack of support and nutrition and all those things that ultimately creates problems in learning, in disabilities, in behaviors, in drug abuse and neglect, in violence in the home. These are things that need to be addressed. This is truly happening as we speak. It's not just about death and dying or getting hurt in
0: pregnancy. It's also about what's happening when we give life a
1: better beginning.
0: I love the way that you put that. And I think you're absolutely right. It's like, stop treating maternity as if it's a niche market, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a niche. Oh, I love that. I love that what ventures tell me this all the time.
1: It's a niche market. I said, it's a niche market. Do you have children? why would you like it if your wife has gone through anything that any one of those women are going through i Mm -hmm. mean that you won't appreciate that at all so no it's not a niche market
0: all right well can we take a moment to learn a little bit more about you personally if you don't mind i'm I'm asking i'm asking everybody did you know what you wanted to do when you were 10 years old do you think 10 year old you would be surprised at where you are right now
1: My 10-year-old would not be surprised where I am right now. I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. So I always wanted to be a veterinarian. And I ended up, you know, going to veterinary school at UC Davis, just to let you know. And then at the time that I was at school, I visited a friend who was at a time suffering from AIDS and noticed that the nursing care that he was receiving was just tremendous. And I'm like, I do not want to take care of animals. I want to take care of humans and switched my major into nursing school. So my 10 year old will probably be very proud of me right now. <laughs> Good.
0: That's great. That's great to hear. And then so do you feel happy? I mean, it sounds like it wasn't necessarily linear, but perhaps your journey has been pointed in a particular direction, even if you've cha-cha a little in one direction or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely helping other people has definitely always been my
1: thing. Even as a, as a kid, as a child, I always gravitated towards uh, that. So the greatness of doing what I'm doing right now is that instead of helping one person at a time, which I did when I was a nurse, I'm helping thousands of people at a time. And that gives me massive gratification.
0: I imagine. I would imagine you sleep well at night, but you also wake up feeling like there's still plenty to do in the morning. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, uh, it doesn't end. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't end. Well, I'm also asking folks, like if you had advice to give, imagine a t- your teenage, a teenage self, a teenage version of you, what advice would you give to her?
1: Well, I have teenagers, I have three boys who are teenagers at home and the advice that I give to them is stay true. always stay true to yourself, right? I mean, know what you want, know how you're going to go achieve it and just go after it. Nothing is unachievable. It's just a matter of efforts and time. But that's what I always tell my kids. And that's what I always tell young people that I see. Don't ever
0: deter from following your dreams. Yeah. And your dreams should scare you if they don't if you're not if they're not oh, absolutely <laughs> which will terrify you. In fact. Yeah. <laughs> you should have that question of like can I do this? And then yeah. have to overcome it. Exactly. Agreed. Well, Siggy, is there anything else that you'd like to add that, that I haven't pulled on? Is there anything that's like burning in your heart that you want to talk about? Well, women
1: entrepreneurship, I think, and nurse entrepreneurship is very dear to and dear to my heart. I think that nurses and healthcare providers should always be the leading of new care models in the United States. They should be, the, they are the one who knows it. They are the one who understands it. It's scary to be an entrepreneur. It's one of the hardest work I've ever done. You know, I think I thought raising my kids was hard and then that was terrible and hard, but or going to nursing school or going to my master's program was hard. And or being a nurse in the ER was hard. This is nothing like it. So, entrepreneurship is amazing and hard, but very gratification for me. And I really want to encourage more women specifically and more nurses specifically to look into their dreams and find entrepreneurship and do and go after what they see is wrong in the world and try and solve it.
0: I love that advice and follow it myself. I really I think I came to a position that I thought, you know what? I do really good work. I've always overperformed and, you know, been super loyal and dedicated to doesn't matter what I do. And I thought, what a cool, how about if I switch my thinking around and actually make that investment in myself instead of somebody else's big dream? Right, exactly. Yeah, dream big, but dream for yourself, right?
1: That's that's the dream. Yeah, and that's it. And then, of course, we need to always call for action. We stop piloting women health programs, stop, you know, trying things out. Everything is known to us. We need to just do it. If we're willing to spend $1,500 on an 89-year-old CHF man, then we should be willing to spend more or double that money on the 22-year-old diabetic Hispanic mom from Southeast Dakota. Because that should be where our money should go. And that should be where our focus is because we need to really make sure that the next generation behind us is healthy and happy. And right now that's not the case.
0: Yeah. And they've got enough challenges facing them, <laughs> whatever oh, yeah. we can, yeah, whatever yeah. we can do to make things easier for them. I think that they will be hopefully appreciative. Thank you. Well, Siggy, thank you so much for your time today. I've been really, I'm really grateful to get to know you and to know what good work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And and this is good. This is great. I'm, I'm very, very thankful. Well, if people want to follow you or find you or connect with you or work with you, what would be the best venue for them to do so how you can always
1: email me at siggy at babylifeadvice.com you call me on our number find us on our website on linkedin i'm always there and we have an instagram too for Advice. people can go there we blog all the time about great advice for moms yeah that's the way to find us wonderful
0: i'll include all that information in the show notes so thank you yeah Yeah, thank you so much we'll talk soon okay bye. bye bye Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle Hit Like a Girl Pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Hit Like a Girl Podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission driven which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.